to Star Wars Escape Pod and our final episode of Rebels Talk Part 20. So this is the last one, everybody. And uh, we know it's been uh, such a long journey here. I mean, uh, for those of you who have tuned into every single episode of Rebels Talk, I mean, we just want to thank you for your time and uh, maybe perhaps the great reviews if you've managed to leave a five star on Spotify or Apple Podcast or Podchaser or whatever. Uh, you know, we appreciate the support and, uh, you know, we're super excited to be here talking about the final three episodes of Star Wars Rebels, which is A Fool's Hope, which is episode 14 of season four, season four, episode 15 is 16, Family Reunion and Farewell. We got our co-host Blake in the podcast, in the escape pod, I mean, uh, <laughs> here with us. And uh, we're going to be diving headfirst into these episodes, which have a lot to do with Ahsoka. This is all in favor of our journey to Ahsoka. So. Without further ado, let's get into it. Another happy landing. Chut, chut, Blake. Chut, chut. We are here with the last three episodes of Star Wars Rebels to talk about. Season 4, episode 14 of Fool's Hope. Season 4, episode 15 of Family Reunion Farewell, part 1. And season 4, episode 15, sorry, 16, <laughs> Family Reunion and Farewell, farewell part 2. So, uh, that is a mouthful. Uh, On Disney Plus, it's just one episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, these three culminate the final story arc in Season 4. And uh, perfect timing with sort of the most recently released Ahsoka episode that just came out, right? Yeah, I find it funny that we set the personal goal to get this whole series out before Ahsoka came out. And we failed. Yeah. But it was it was a close fail. It was a close call. Yeah. And, and so, you know, a bit of overlap. But from our experience, and now we could pass this on to you, the listener, there's so much overlap between the two shows that they're actually kind of running a parallel for what's happening in Ahsoka and what's being revealed, tying mm-hmm. into Rebels as we've gone through these last few episodes. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, a lot a lot to, in this these last three episodes here of Rebels have a lot to do with uh, the Ahsoka show and, and specifically the episode that we just saw on, on you know this week. Uh, part, episode part, six. Part six, yeah. Mm-hmm far, far away. Uh, so, uh, these act as a singular story and sort of similarly to what we've done before, I'll read uh, the, the stats or the, uh, you know, who wrote it, the release date, all that, and uh, 
read the summaries back to back, and I'll do my best to, to differentiate them. We're going to listen to the Rebels Recon for this these three episodes, which uh, is the most lengthy of the series. We're just going to sit back, relax, and enjoy Dave Filoni for 18 minutes. 18 <laughs> and, and then we're going to talk about... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> then we're going to talk about uh, our, our notes on this one. But this is this is the last one. I mean, you know... We're, we're going all out with this. So. We're coasting it in. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all like, okay, maybe you can count this down and we'll, we'll do the hyperspace. We'll do the hyperspace. Ready? Ready? All right. Three, two, one, punch it. All right. Season four, episode 14 of Fool's Hope. Air date March 5th, 2018. Director Dave Filoni and Saul Ruiz. Writers included Henry Gilroy and Stephen Melching. This is the summary. Hera wait, 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 wait. His name is Melching? Melching. Mel- Melching. Oh, Melching. So- M-E-L-C-H-I-N-G. I'm wondering if Melch the Ugnaught is named after him. Ooh. Wait, was his name Melch? I think it's Melch, like Hondo's Ugnaught friend. Was it really? I'm, I think it's Melch. Is that... Now we got to look it up. I don't know. Yeah, look up, look up Hondo's Ugnaught. Okay, you, you do the read and I'll look it up. I'll bring it up when we get to the episode. All right, sounds good. Hera, Rex, and Callus recruit Hondo, Gregor, Wolf, and Ketsu for a plan to liberate Lothal, which they agree to out of respect for Ezra. Back on Lothal, Ezra receives a vision that Thrawn is returning from Coruscant, meaning that they must enact their plan to seize the capital right away. At the... Uh, oh, it is Melch. Oh, look at that. <laughs> well done. At the capital, Price is secretly contacted by Ryder, who offers to betray the rebels to her in return for his own safety. Price and Rook lead an assault force on the rebel base, while Hera attempts to return with reinforcements but must first slip past the Imperial blockade. The Imperials quickly gain the upper hand and capture the rebels, but Ryder reveals that his betrayal was merely a ruse to lure Price out of the capital. Hera then arrives with the ghost and her reinforcements while Ezra summons the Lothwolves to aid in the battle. The Imperials are swiftly defeated and Price is captured, but Ezra reminds everybody that the battle to liberate Lothal is just beginning. Season 4, episode 15 and 16 are called Family Reunion and Farewell. These episodes also aired on March 5th, 2018 and was directed by Dave Filoni, Bosco Ng, Sergio Paz, and writers included Dave Filoni, Henry Gilroy, Curie Hart, Simon Kinberg, and Stephen Melching. Simon Kinberg, also notably uh, who wrote um, the the entry for this series as well in season one. A spark of rebellion. And the summary reads, With Price as their prisoner, the rebels force her to give them the clearance codes to infiltrate the Imperial Command Center at the Capitol. They seize the control room and plan to issue an evacuation order for all the Imperial forces to return to the command center, and then launch it into space to self-destruct. Rook overhears the plan and warns Thrawn, who tasks them with disabling the planetary shield. Callus issues the evacuation order and all the Imperial forces enter the command center. But before they can launch, Thrawn arrives and positions his Star Destroyer directly above the city. Once Rook disables the shield generators, Thrawn orders the, the rebels to surrender or he will bombard the city. Ezra decides to surrender to stall Thrawn while the rest of the rebels move to reactivate the shields. Thrawn puts Ezra in contact with the hologram of the Emperor. 
Meanwhile, Mart realizes that the plan is in trouble and takes the ghost to enact a backup plan that Ezra had given him by sending a, a signal over frequency zero to summon help. As the rebels fight their way to the shield generator, the Emperor tries to tempt Ezra with a promise to revive his parents. Ezra refuses the Emperor's deal and escapes custody. While the rebels are able to raise the shield before Thrawn can commence bombardment of the city, Zeb is able to trap Rook inside the generator as it activates, killing him. Gregor is mortally wounded in the fight and dies. Ezra fights his way to Thrawn and reveals that he arranged for Mart to call the Purgle, who arrive and destroy Thrawn's fleet. Then the Purgle grab Thrawn's flagship and prepare to drag it into hyperspace. Despite pleas from his friends, Ezra decides to stay on the ship and make sure that Thrawn is defeated for good, and they jump away. With Thrawn's fleet gone, the rebels proceed with the plan to launch and destroy the command center. Price chooses to stay and go down with it rather than remain a prisoner of the rebels. Upon witnessing the destruction of the command center, the people of Lothal celebrate and Hera is confident that they will be able to resist any Imperial attempts to recapture the planet. Five years later, thanks to the Rebel Alliance's victory at the Battle of Endor, which both Hera and Rex took part in, the feared Imperial counterattack on Lothal never comes, and the Ghost crew go their separate ways. Zeb takes Kallus to Lyrasan to show him that he didn't truly exterminate all the Lasat species, and that he is welcomed there as one of them. Hera and Rex continue to fight with the Rebel Alliance, and it is also revealed that Hera gave birth to her and Kanan's son, Jason Syndulla. Sabine teams up with Ahsoka Tano eventually to search for Ezra, leaving behind a mural on Lothal depicting the ghost crew. The, with that said, this is Rebels Recon. Almost all the friends that Ezra has made since season one come together to help him now. What makes Ezra such an important person to all these unique personalities? He's willing to see beyond who they appear to be at first. Ezra's main skill is his ability to have insight and actually care about other people. He's able to just kind of connect with things on a deeper level. And I think that's attributable to how he was raised. His ability to forge relationships and have friends and surround himself with good people turns out to be a very good thing in the end. Honestly, we've never had scenes this large before with this amount of characters on screen at one time. In animation, it's always a challenge because the more characters you have, ships, sets, it makes the scenes really heavy and difficult to render. This is the end, like we're ending the whole thing. We gotta go out with a bang. So everyone was kind of all hands on deck trying to just make sure that these episodes were great and that they felt full. We definitely didn't want you going in feeling that these episodes were empty. So a lot more has been put into some of this stuff to really show that. What's it like seeing all four seasons of the show starting to get tied together like this? It's kind of amazing to see how far we've come, really. I mean, it just feels like, wow, we've been doing this for a while, and it sort of is a reminder that, like, actually, there's been a lot that's been transpired in this world. You can't help but smile. You can't help but think, like, oh, I get to see my friend again who had been in to record a year ago, mm -hmm. which is so sick, and it's fun. It's kind of putting a nice bow on all of it. It's the weirdest family reunion ever. <laughs> <laughs> we are such a weird big dysfunctional family it's amazing there's a lot of nostalgia that comes up with that it just brings up all the emotions at once which I yeah. think was the intention with the amount of time I have you can only have so many characters and service each one of them well and just with the ghost crew you want to make sure that you're wrapping up each of their individual arcs and who they are and it's 
a tough thing, but I think it worked out for the most part, and I think some people would be surprised by the role certain people play, and there were a lot of debates along the way for what was the best thing for every character to do. Ezra tells Sabine, I know I can always count on you, and really trust her perhaps more than anybody else. How has their relationship evolved since season one? I think the really incredible thing about watching the two of them grow up together as young people lost in a really big galaxy is understanding that one of the strengths of their relationship is actually how they've grown and they've been able to see each other through. And I think very much both taking their lessons from Kanan and Hera, I think, has shaped them into the people that they are. You may not be able to control the world around you, but you can control how you treat other people and how you work with them. And I think their bond is so strong that there is nobody else that he could rely on quite like her. It's been a varied thing. And I think everybody's knee-jerk reaction is to ship the two. You know, to think that the, because the two are similar in age, that there's some type of gravity between them romantically. And I think it's very strong at this point to show boys and girls being friends and supportive of one another. Everybody has their different relationships and it's just not something that had to be romantically dimensional. In order to tempt Ezra, Palpatine appears the kindly former senator that we know from the prequel trilogy. Were there any differences in lighting him? Yeah, it's the same trick from Clone Wars. It's the eye spec. You light Palpatine regally and then you go ahead and you light Sidious, usually from below to catch the jawline and then from above to put the shadow over the eyes. Here, we just really wanted him to come across as that very genial, like your grandfather almost. So we really had to make sure we played it so like his eyebrows were up a little bit and trying to keep him sort of more upright. So whenever he's the emperor, we kind of hunch him a little bit. So it's sort of subtle changes just to make sure the audience really knows what they're looking at and which one. He tries to play on your perceptions all the time. When he's in the void world and he's listening to Ezra, he hears Ezra's wish that his life could be different and that he'd like to see his mom and dad so he knows the alternate reality that Ezra wishes for because when you're tasked with a great burden and something you have to do it's normal for you to wish that these things weren't happening to you and it's normal for you to wish that your life was simpler and that these challenges fell elsewhere and so the whole thing at the end is if the Emperor can offer him that wish that maybe this kid will take it and thus take himself out of the equation. Ezra has always had a special connection to the animals that culminates with his plan involving the Pergils. How does this connection make Ezra unique to other Jedi that we've met in the saga? I think one of the great things in the length of the show, we've had the time to really develop how he is in tune with the world around him and what comes most natural to him. And I think different Jedi may have different skill sets. There might be different things that they are more adept at. But one of the things about Ezra that I think is so remarkable is his sense of empathy and how in tune he is with the wildlife of his planet, right? right? Not just his planet, but the galaxy as a whole. What I love about the Pergil, if you go all the way back to season two and some of that feeling of like, oh, filler, right? Right, not filler. <laughs> and I think hopefully people will feel as we get to the very end of the season that none of it was filler and none of it was wasted and establishing this connection between Ezra and the world around him is very much a part of who he is. The dome that's been in the middle of the Lothal capital mm -hmm. has been a ship. Yes. This whole time. Absolutely. How exactly does that dome work? They would land this thing in the middle of a city that existed, and immediately the Empire has tremendous presence, tremendous power, and it also means that once they're done pillaging the place, they can leave and just discard it. I've always thought of it as, you know, some type of ship. You just don't know it, and I think that's kind of fun. Whenever you've got something like that, you immediately approach it from the same way they would light or photograph miniatures back in the day. So you always have those wide shots with a long lens to make everything feel bigger. Dave was pretty clear throughout the whole season about making Lothal look like it was polluted, yeah. a dirty, acidic-looking city. So we went for that approach, and then towards the end, when that dome takes off, Dave finally 
mention blue sky. From the beginning of Rebels, he's like, I don't want to see a blue sky, no blue sky. Until we get to the very end, where we finally have that dome kind of coming up above the clouds, just to give it that kind of representation that we all know of seeing a large object up in the air. So can you give us any hints as to where Ezra and Thrawn ended up? Yeah. Oh, I've thought a lot about that, yeah. I'm sure you have. <laughs> I, I wonder, <laughs> and it's one of those things where you go, boy, I'd love to do an end credits scene, but as tempting as that is, I go, well, if I ever cover that, then I want to do it right, and I don't want to commit to things right now because things might change. So I have a lot of theories about it and what I think happens and where they are. I'll say this much, they're not dead. Both of them survive it. Both Ezra and Thrawn, I would say, survive it. Okay, yeah. We learned uh, a few things from that. Um, very, very interesting. Dave Filoni called the world between worlds the void. The void, uh, yeah. The, the, the void world, he it's called it. It's interesting because the episode is called, like, what we find out? It's, it's called, actually called World Between Worlds. Ah, our world between worlds. So it's not, there's oh. no name for it. Yeah, there's no name for it. In fact, I don't even know if Dave knows kind of what it's called necessarily mm -hmm. we just call it that as fans because the episode's called that right so that we refer sense. to it as the world between worlds but i think it's just it's just a void like it's our world between worlds you know it's like no one knows what it is somewhere exactly. to avoid <laughs> yeah, yeah, right <laughs> yeah yeah sure sure uh, but you you mentioned um there was this really unique clip with with um with Ezra and, mm -hmm. you know, remembering his parents when he's in front of Palpatine. Uh, you know, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here. Yeah, we, that's all the second episode. What are you doing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, well, make sure you remind me to bring it up. All right. I'll write down. <laughs> okay. So uh, starting with A Fool's Hope. All right. Um, I wrote down Rex in his Return of the Jedi suit shows up in this. Uh, <laughs> and that was my first note, too. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, for those who don't know, um, there's a character in Return of the Jedi looks looks suspiciously like Captain Rex. There's a whole story to this. There's a, yeah, there's a whole story to this. Yeah. So what happened was when we first met Rex, right? He's in his clone armor, but he's in Rebels. Some, in in Rebels. Rebels. Sorry, yes, in Rebels season opening season two, I believe. Uh, we first see him in the series. He's put on a lot of weight. He's lost his hair. So he's got a nice chrome dome going. He's got a big, white, bushy beard. And somebody on Twitter pointed this out to Pablo, I believe, that uh, he now looks suspiciously like this one random grizzled old man who was in the background in Rebels gear at the Battle of Endor. Mm. As someone asked Dave Filoni, I believe, at a panel... If that was if that was Rex, and his response was, "Sure." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then years later at one of the celebrations, they they did this intentionally, like they made his costume that he mm -hmm. wears in Return of the Jedi. They made something very similar, very reminiscent to that. Now, yeah. if anyone wants to know what shot it is in Return of the Jedi, it's it's on Endor when the scout troopers run around the corner of the shield generator entrance. And they come face to face with like a whole army of rebels back there on the side. There's yeah. like a guy with a big bushy Santa Claus beard. Mm -hmm. It looks like he's he's way too old to be in combat. Yeah, that's supposed to be Rex now. Yeah. So they've retconned whoever that character was to be Rex, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. That may have been the beautiful part of it. Maybe maybe he just never had an action figure. Maybe they just never f found a name for him. You know, like I, 
have no idea, right? Like, I think he had a name, and I think the yeah, because there was a Wikipedia. Because I remember thinking, what they be like did this and like looked it up, and like he already did exist. Interesting. So it was a retcon. I wonder if they'll ever retcon Prune Face, and he's actually just like Snoke's cousin or something like that. No. He's actually retcon to be uh maybe like Raisin Face, <laughs> Raisin Face, <laughs> Jer- Jerky Face. Now what are those called? Crazen Face. Crazy. Crazy in the face, dude. That is such a good criminal name. Like, <laughs> crazy in face. Can't trust him. He's crazy. <laughs> Can't trust that, that guy. He crazy. <laughs> That's like his catchphrase. Yeah, yeah. That dude crazy. All right. Um. All right. So so yeah. Um. I guess. Uh. Yeah. Jupa Jupa Base. You know. Guess is. I guess this is where they hang out now. Uh. On Jupa Base, because Jupa Base showed up. They had to go and recruit him. Right. Uh, again, because they were going around and trying to find all Ezra's friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was that was neat to see. Ezra's friends are recruited to help free Lothal. Um. I mean, we saw the collective come back. Hondo, Rex. Uh. Who else? Mart, whatever the heck that kid was again. Uh, the Davronian guy. Yeah, the Davronian guy. Vizago. Vizago, yeah, that's right. And um, uh, what's her name? The the Sabine's, Sabine's pal. Melch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Melch. Uh, Named after the writer, we found out. Yeah, there you go. At least yeah. I'm speculating that. Yeah, Seems Stephen a little Melch too coincidental. Stephen, Stephen, how do you feel about that? You got Man, an Ugnaught named after you. If you ever meet him, I'm just going to refer, I'm just going to call him Melch. <laughs> <laughs> just milk. Ketsu, Wolf, Gregor. That's right. Ketsu is here. Ketsu too. and Anyo uh, or whatever. Yeah, they, they all showed up. So that's uh, cool. Um, and, uh, you know, the wolf the wolf attack on the Imperials in this episode was very cool. We had them, this really cool wolf. shot. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they actually referenced that in the episode, that's right? That's why I'm saying yeah, that. Is yeah, it, it didn't, didn't Rex, it wasn't Rex like, uh, you know, like the, the, the wolf the wolf packs back. Hey, wolf. And oh, he's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> or something like he said something. Yeah, like there's that, that too. Yeah. Uh, the wolf attack, though, like them kind of coming out of that wall that they came out of that, that time. Because we, they come and go through that magic wall, right? Mm-hmm. So, like... When they go in and they find Ezra in there and he ignites the lightsaber and you see the wolves behind, like it was super cool. Like that shot was awesome. That's sweet reveal. Yeah. Yep. Um, most of this episode was just a big battle though. So it's not mm. really a whole lot to talk about. Um, yeah, I felt that way too. Yeah. Thinking of uh, the gov- how the governor, the whole thing, the, the, the whole plot of luring the Imperials in with Price it was, was really well thought of. I, th- I liked that a lot. I actually didn't think... Like, I kind of saw it coming a little bit, but they did it in a way that if you've never seen the show before, it might actually seem like yeah, this was a thing. Yeah, they did a really good job of making you feel like he had betrayed them. In yeah. fact, even though I'd seen the show before, like, emotionally, I was like, because it was acted and animated so well, mm-hmm. I thought that it could be legit. I kept thinking, like, but he becomes the governor in Ahsoka, so he ha- he can't betray them. Right. But it, it felt very genuine. It did, yeah. It did feel very genuine. And uh, my last note is just the end. And um, I don't know why I wrote that down as part of my notes. <laughs> 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 I think um, uh, the ending may be that, that it, it sets it up perfectly for the next two episodes. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. like, they've, they've kidnapped Price. Uh, Thrawn is on his way back from Coruscant at this point, uh, which 
by the way, is probably one of the few times that we ever hear that planet referenced in the entire series. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it, was, it, was, it was a good episode. Um, I got to say, like this one does flow into the next one. It's, it's kind of... Oh, it's, it's a three-parter. It's one big, yeah, it's a three-parter. So, like, it's one big arc here. But I mean, we do got to give this guy some Pablo points and Pudus. Well, one last thing. It's kind of just a small point, but I thought it was cool when we went back to the clone planet where we find the the clones beginning of season two. Yeah, um, because Jupa, Jupa base. Yeah, at yeah. Jupa base, they had in that episode where they had the ATTE fight against the ATATs. Yeah, yeah. And so the ATT was blown up. And so they made a new base on the ATAT. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so now you're seeing the uh, like a, an AT-AT with like a big platform and a big base on it again. Oh, I thought that was really cool. That was cool. It was really well, cleverly thought of, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, Pablo Pertzapudu, for those who don't know, this is our rating system. Um, it is a score out of seven. Three Pablo Pudus is the worst of the worst. Moving up from there, you got two Pablo Pudus, one Pablo Pudu, and a Bendu. Bendu is 50%. That's in the middle. And uh, then we got Pablo points. Pablo, one Pablo point, two Pablo points, and three Pablo points being the best of the best of the best. So, my question to you, sir, is what would you give this episode? Uh, this one, admittedly, for me, was a little lackluster. I think cause it, it just felt like it was missing so much story, which I get because there's so much going on in the next episodes we're about to talk to here. And that episode is fantastic. So, especially in contrast, this one feels like a bit of a slog yeah but it's all action so yeah i will say like one pop point one pop point all right yeah cool um yeah i would give it 1.5 mm-hmm. maybe like 1.25 something around there i thought it was good like it was it was better than good because it was like a lot of good action. Like we, it's better than most action in Rebels that we've seen in the series. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot more happening. We got a lot more characters, uh, you know, out and about, but it does directly feed into the next two. So it's mm-hmm. not, not to go hard on this episode or anything like that. I mean, it's not a Pablo Pudu. It's not a Bendu. You know, we're giving it a pretty good score here, but it, it is definitely kind of one of those predecessing things that isn't kind of done well on its own unless it's kind of lumped in with the rest of the, the, the follow-up ones, right? So Yeah, I, I agree entirely. Yeah, if you if you lump it in with the follow-up to it as a whole, like the story does way much, way better. But as a singular episode, I'm going to stick with 1.25 Pablo points, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, so moving on to episode 15 and 16. This is the two-parters. We'll lump these together under one score. Um, and I've already read all the stuff for this one. Uh, first note is the bombardment of Lothal under Thrawn's command. I mean, we hear the Emperor's theme uh, when he's lightning Luke to death in that moment, and I thought that was really, really cool. Um, when when he, the Chimera is like just dropping bombs and mm-hmm. on the city and stuff like that, the turbo lasers on the city. Yeah, turbo lasers. Yeah, the, the the music is reminiscent of Palpatine's theme when he's destroying when he's lightning Luke to death, right? Oh, really? And it's kind of just kind of gave me this feeling of like oh yeah like that even though it's not the emperor doing this like it's thrawn acting on the emperor's behalf of course you know Mm -hmm. but um it's also just this feeling of of like all hope is about to be lost kind of thing like there's and thrawn is an interesting character he's not outright evil right he's just very cold and calculated and so you don't he has a lot of uh schemes 
but he's usually not bloodthirsty. Right. So it's not very often where we see a scene like this where he's just killing civilians in cold blood because it doesn't seem like it. It, it most of the time I don't think he sees it as a purpose. Yeah. That's but right. in this case, he's he. It's a a tool for him to convince Ezra Bridger to give up, and so he he doesn't feel he doesn't gain anything or like f- feel any joy in bringing all this this tragedy and evil on people. He's it's just cold and calculated, and so it actually I almost felt a little bit surprised that he would do that because he hasn't done anything like that before. Mm-hmm, Whereas right. like Vader would do it because he's he's Vader. He he does stuff like that. Yeah, because like he's he's outright evil, yeah. right? As opposed to Thrawn, who isn't really an evil character. Right, right. Yeah, it's 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 a good point, and uh, you know, I I think let me, let me see if I can find the clip where he actually does this. Just a moment here. Uh, yeah, here, listen to this. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Listen to that. Is this straight out of Return of the Jedi or what? Was that Luke screaming? I surrender. <laughs> no, it's like that 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 choir. Like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> just this is a a lady that screamed there. I think. Oh yeah, that was yeah. A joke. Like here, um, here, just, 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 just for, uh, just for context here, I'll, sh- I'll show you the scene. I'll listen to the scene that I'm talking about here. Rebels. Oh, 
It's very similar. It's very similar, right? Mm. It's just that, like, kind of choir in the background. Yeah. And, like, the escalation it's, without it going down again. And they're all, I feel like they're all kind of playing on the Emperor's theme. Yeah, they are. It's, it's almost like this kind of musical sense of evil, just just this pure kind of destructive evil, right? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it was it was it was very similar, right? Because Palpatine is demonstrating his power to Luke, whereas like this is Thrawn doing the same to Ezra. It's like let me mm-hmm. demo- let me demonstrate my powers, you know. He's mm-hmm. like he uses his big guns. That's right. <laughs> Bringing out the big guns now. Um, all right, so uh, yeah, here's something here. Ezra leaves Sabine his lightsaber with Chopper when he sneaks off. And this is a big story point because it, yeah, I, I think I might have been writing a note when this happened because I didn't notice she had his lightsaber until the very end. That's right. So, um, so Chopper, uh, I think he does. He not give it to Sabine or something does, like yeah. that. Yeah. So, so we don't see him give it to Chopper, but we kind of just assume what happened because that happened because Chopper gives it to Sabine. So, like when mm-hmm. he sneaks off, he probably just. You know, pulls a, you know, pulls an R two D two kind of like throwing that at the droid. He's like, "Here, chopper, hang on to this," and like, boom, you know, it's like, right, yeah. So, um, it was a big story point because in Ahsoka, Sabine has Ezra's lightsaber. She's made some modifications to it, and I love that Hu Yang points that out when she's in the hospital. You know, she says like, you know, it's Ezra's lightsaber, and then he's like, "Well, yes, but you have trained with it, and you have made modifications to it. Therefore, it is now." your lightsaber you know? right like that's what he says so uh yeah I, I like how they kind of well they're gonna have a real squabble about that aren't they <laughs> so that's probably gonna be that's gonna come up somewhere in ahsoka i would think hey in my head it still has a lightsaber but yeah I me mean, too yeah yeah it's uh, mine mine no maybe they'll have the same scene as in uh last jedi yeah yeah ray you have no that power is my lightsaber <laughs> <laughs> The force is with you, Ray, because you hold my lightsaber. No. <laughs> <laughs> Give it back. You don't, you don't deserve it. <laughs> you don't deserve the power of my lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, Palpatine's deceptive look in the hologram. Uh, like, can we talk about his hologram for a second here? He looks all young and, like, not deformed and degraded. Yeah, he depressed. looks like... Like, he's Chancellor again. Yeah, he's got back to his old Chancellor look. And his, his temptation of Ezra rubs off very similarly to Voldemort and Harry. Have you, do you remember this scene? In Harry, when, uh, when, when in, uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, when Voldemort and him are standing in front of the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he starts talking about his parents. Because in, in the mirror, Harry can see his parents, right? And Voldemort says to him, like, yeah, Harry, we can bring them back, Harry. You know, like he's like trying to egg him on. He's mm-hmm. like, just give me the stone. And uh, I love that Palpatine kind of has a moment like that where he's just like, you know, like Ezra, you can walk, walk to the Ezra, be with your parents again. I think that would be, I think I will say Palpatine's probably more likely to be successful here because I'm not sure if I were Harry, even if I really wanted that, I would trust someone's face on the back of another guy's head yeah yeah well i mean he like obviously Voldemort looks like a monster right like <laughs> like it's it's kind of interesting that uh, they changed it up a little bit and they made it even more deceiving with with this kind looking man right mm-hmm. the the man that twisted anakin for you know 15 whatever years it was until 
you know, you got to his head too. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I really was, liked that, that moment. It was cool. It, it definitely took me by surprise that, uh, Palpatine has had the forethought to try to disguise himself. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they had almost pre-planned this mm-hmm. because he says to Ezra that a part of the the temple on Lothal, like the Jedi mm-hmm. temple, right, was moved into Thrawn's Star Destroyer, the Chimera, yeah. for this moment. Like he kind of foresaw this happening, like that this this moment, this this uh, encounter with Ezra would would be a, a likelihood. So he has this like trap set up and I don't really know like how do you have any theories on like how this works like because I don't I had a lot of questions about this too I personally don't think that this was actually going to work I think it was all a trap to like kill Ezra I think he was trying to lure Ezra into this kind of mirage which was supposed to look a certain way but it was actually not there he it's the same time he tells Ezra all he has to do is hit the, the panel on, on the wall, activate the door or whatever. Yeah, here, let's, let's, take, let's take a quick lesson here. Be open forever. Go now. Before it's too late. No, this is a lie. They died. I, I felt it. Ezra, where is that boy? You know it is possible to change fate. There are infinite paths and infinite possibilities, but you must open the door. Son, are you coming? Oh, no, it goes back to the uh, the battle elsewhere. Oh, hold on a second. Okay, there we go. But when he said you must open the door, it showed the little panel thing, right? There. No, it didn't actually. No. Oh, it's there, the there. Control for the gateway. There we go. There it is. Activated. And you can be with your family again. Yeah, as he's trying to get him to push a button. And I felt like Ezra had to what do it my friends? to open the gateway if to the void or open world. You will save your parents. Yeah, maybe. So it's a trick because Palpatine wants to get in there. Right. That's right. But Ezra has to do it. I think. So. I think a Jedi has to do it. A Sith can't. I think that's why. But what doesn't make sense to me is that they were able to get this thing out of the ground in a Thrawn ship and it would still work for one. Go on. Yeah. And and secondly, how did they get that out before it collapsed? I have no clue. I have no clue. Mom? Dad? But like they're reacting to him too, like, and we see the camera from both sides of the gateway. Always be a part of it. Right. So is it possible that this is a doorway from the world between worlds? Just that, one door. Yeah. Why would Palpatine care? So like, because maybe he can't go through the gateway, right? But maybe he's tempting Ezra to go through it so that. He can get, he can get rid of Ezra because if Ezra goes through the gateway, then Ezra is not around anymore, right? Because he's right. going to be go going to this. So that's one possibility, right? The other possibility, which I think is more likely, is that it was all a trap. Yeah, but it's a trap that was kind of it's pretty elaborate to kill one Jedi. Yeah, it is. I think there's some sort of obviously some sort of Sith sorcery going on here for this to be a possibility. I think it might be similar to. Yoda's 
dreams, you know, like when he is, he's fighting Palpatine in that dream of his, when he starts to go on that, that journey, like to learn the immortality force mm-hmm. process. Like, I think there's like, right. Something. When he's over that cauldron or whatever. Yeah. There, yeah, exactly. Like there's something, there's something weird going on where he actually fights Sidious right in his dream mm-hmm. and, but he doesn't see his face. And so he can't find out, he doesn't find out the identity of the Sith Lord, but that, like, that's where he's like, he's also trying to do that. Um, so I think like maybe there's something going on here with Palpatine, this cave, maybe he's able to use the powers of the cave of the, you know, in his own twisted way. Hmm. And perhaps the panel is actually just a way to blow it up. Like maybe, maybe it's just a trap. So like Ezra pushes that button, he's going to die. But he knows, but Ezra says, he's like, this is a lie. He says that. Mm -hmm. So like, he's telling us as an audience that that is a lie. It's not real. It's not That's why on. it's not happening. I can't explain the mechanics of it because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I really feel like the story point here, what they were trying to do, was it was a lie. It was a trick, but it was to get Ezra to open the a gate to the world to the worlds for Palpatine. Yeah, there's that possibility as well. For sure. But he's a hologram, so he's not able to go through anyways, right? No, well, maybe once the door's open, yeah, and he can go there and do it himself. Because they were trying to open it for him in the World Between Worlds episode. Right. That's right. what Sabine and the Sith Acolyte guy were trying to do. Right. Yeah, it, it just keep, it keep reminded, me of, reminded me of this scene here. Extraordinary things. <laughs> Just give me the stones. Give me the door. <laughs> you liar. And he says the same thing. He's like, this is a lie. And Harry's like, you liar. Right? I'm just impressed that they hired Daniel Radcliffe to play Ezra. I love it. <laughs> Dude, I'm down. If, if, if it was Daniel Radcliffe, that's right. no, I'm just kidding. No. Um, but no, it's World's like... colliding. I, I just thought it was so crazy on on point with like the Harry Potter. It was just such a Harry Potter moment. It's like we can bring your parents back, right? Like but funny as, your mind went there, because I was thinking about Luke well, when he we, goes into the cave. Well with Star Wars though, like I mean Palpatine being a weird kind of exception for having cloned bodies that his spirit transfers into, which I've never really liked anyways. But like in Star Wars it should not be like it is not possible to bring people back from the dead, necessarily, right? And anytime it does happen it is like a, a Sith Lord bringing themselves back anytime it has happened in the canon so far, right? Except for Ahsoka. We had uh, in the Darth Vader comics, there was like uh, some Darth, Darth Moment, I think his name was. He was like some mask that's like his spirit kind of lived in this mask. And then, um, and then Sidious, right. of course. In no, was that the guy who was in the, the no, we didn't Lando see- book? That's Sith Lord yeah. talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- there's that. But he wasn't really fully back. He was like kind of he was like, like this possessing weird... whoever wore the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something weird like that. And then he was uh, trying to come back though. So yeah, I think he like was. eventually he would have came back. He he was. And then Sidious, of course, same thing. He was able to come back to uh having cloned his, his body and whatever else. I don't know how mm-hmm. that works, but um but no one else has come back. And but this is this is something that he's tempted Anakin with. He's like, we can save your wife from certain death. He is convincing him that this is going to happen, even though if he doesn't turn to the dark side, it wouldn't happen. But he's he doesn't know that, right? So he like convinces himself that like this is oh this I can't stop this from happening. 
And he can't get out of that mindset because this is exactly what happened with his mother. So he inevitably turns the dark side because he thinks that he's telling the truth. But Ezra has a different perspective because he's not been, you know, brought up under the influence of this man. So he calls right. him out on it. He calls him out and he's like, no, this is a lie. And then he, so he goes on to, you know, blow up the whole thing and gets out of the trap. Yep. But, but the trap is he would have probably died in that moment if he pushed the button. Here's one thing that annoyed me in that scene after she blew it up. So when Ezra is heading towards the door, he has handcuffs on. Her binders. Yeah, handcuffs. Palpatine uses the force to like. Remove yeah, them. so Palpatine yeah. uses the force to to open the 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 handcuffs yep. so that he's free. Yep. He did that from across the galaxy. Yeah. Which is crazy. It is crazy. Like yeah. with that amount of power. Yeah, but we've seen it happen with Vader force choking that dude. That's true. But my. Well, the point I'm getting at is that after Ezra blows up the thing, he just runs past Palpatine's hologram and he doesn't do anything. Why doesn't he use the force to force choke him or push him over the cliff? Because I think there's like a... No Do they idea. have like a no railing broom situation like that all over the Empire? I have no He does clue. nothing. He just lets him run past and then his guards show up with have really weird magic... St- Stabs. <laughs> yeah, actually. Well, and that's my ne- that's my next thing here. The Royal Guard ninjas mm-hmm. are super cool because we've seen Royal Guards before, but we've never seen them like this. Like they're wearing like they don't have the robes on. They just they're without the robes. They got their undergarments, but mm-hmm. they have these big shoulder pads, and they've got these like mini electrical kind of staff looking things. So yeah, they, and they they have like anti gravity tech. They like bind people. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a like the the staff has like a almost like this yeah like an like a gravity kind of well mm-hmm. inside of it or something. It's cool. Like I was like, oh, this is neat. Like yeah, it's the first time we've ever seen them, and we never see them again. Yeah, yeah, we never see them again. But um, yeah, it, it it is neat though. There's like this whole like Ray moment, you know, like with Snoke, you know, when he's holding her with the Force, and she's mm-hmm. kind of like. Like this moment's very similar, like when they're holding Ezra up in the air with these things, you know, and he's like, and "Those are the Snoke's royal guard." Yeah, it's when he's like, uh, you know, he says like, "It is your destiny" or whatever, you know. Right. It's he's like, like in the throne he's like room, siphoning right? or whatever. Yeah, whatever yeah, he... yeah. Exactly. So I thought that was that was like a very similar similar scene, but this was done. This was done in uh, 2018. So, or well, it was animated way before. So, I think it was a when very. Did, when did the last Jedi come out? 17? Uh, 2017. Yeah. So, it would have so, already been out. Yeah, but they would have, maybe, maybe they would have probably done this. Last Jedi's out, but what you're referring to is Rise of Skywalker. No, I was referring to Last Jedi. Palpatine. So, that's with Snoke. Snoke is with Snoke when he's like. Well, in they his both chair do that, I think. Ray is like on board the ship and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, okay. like, they both have this very similar scene, right? But I think it was maybe. It, it may, maybe it wasn't there originally, and then they kind of added it in because it is the last episode. Maybe they mm-hmm. had some time to change things up, but they probably walked by and saw that, and it was like, "Oh, that's a cool shot! Like, let's let's put that in our show." Mm. Yeah, it's so, possible. Yeah, so I know I thought that was kind of cool. But the right, the royal guards though, the royal guard ninjas, super sick. Le- levitating electro batons. Why have they not showed up? Showed up in any games? I don't know, but I'm down down for it. I'm they, down for it. It feels like something out of Force Unleashed. Yeah, it is. It is, uh, yeah, 100%. Like, I could feel that. Um, 
Rook dies in the process of the shield turning on to protect the city from Thrawn's bombardment when uh, they turn the shield back on. Uh, so he becomes fried Rook. And uh, <laughs> I, I went down for some, some Kentucky fried Rook. <laughs> Kentucky fried I think I'll pass. Yeah, I think I'll pass too. Wouldn't want some of that. You um, missed two very important things at the beginning of this episode, by the way. Oh, yeah? What's that? Well, the first thing they, they do an Ugnaught launcher. Oh, man. Not that. <laughs> Where Melch is running it and uh, Zeb like launches him onto the, onto the, the, the window. Yeah. I laughed so hard when I saw that. <laughs> they can fly. They can fly. Pigs can fly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, that, that was pretty smart. Yeah. Such a good moment. What was the other thing? Uh, another thing was there's uh they they get to the the command center of the, the dome ship. Yep. And a vent just like opens and Ezra goes one last time. <laughs> He says that? Yeah, he does. What? No Cause, way. Because he always gets stuck going in the vents and he hates it. Okay, hold on. Where is the security detail? Is it like around here? No, it's later. It's later because uh, it's after they've defeated them all and they're trying to figure out what to do. Oh, okay, he's going to sneak right. away. Okay, all right. Never mind then. Yeah, that, that's funny. That's funny that he says that though. Um, all right. Gregor dies. Uh, and instrumentation of a uh, um, of a segment of Vod An plays, which is the Mandalorian war chant taught to clone commandos in Legends continuity, first appearing in Star Wars Republic Commando, the game, right? So one of my all-time favorite video games ever. And, uh, you know, I just thought that this was uh, this was a really cool... Kind of thing here. Uh, Vod, the Easter egg. Vod, Vodan. All right. Here, here's a here's a Samuel Kim did like a cover of this. This song. Oh wow. Yeah. Right. I remember right. This. Yeah, so a, a, a ver, like a small segment of that song plays in this episode when Gregor dies. That's cool. The commando, yeah, and I mm. thought that was so cool. I didn't like, notice. That's such a good nod. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, the first time of a canon appearance of that song. Man, they gotta remake that game or make a sequel or something. Oh, they gotta remaster that game. It was dude. so that good, dude. So good, yeah. Um, okay, before I forget. Um, By the he, way, when he got shot, he has no armor on. It's it's mingled with the clone fanfare, by the way. Like it's it's like it wraps, it finishes with oh. like the, the 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 Clone Wars theme, you know, for all the clones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, say again. I've said uh, when Gregor gets shot, he's no armor on. He just gets shot basically bare chested. Yeah. Why didn't he have any armor on? He's never had armor in this in Rebels. Really? Really. Dang. Yeah, he's, he's, he's no armor on. He's just wearing like a muscle shirt. Oh, man, that's why he died. <laughs> well, the thing is, you see people get shot with full gear on armor, whatever. Like a hit was, yeah. oh, they just die. And he gets shot bare chested and he lives for another 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> he's like talking to Rex <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, before I forget, uh, we missed something really important when, when he's talking to Palpatine. 
right? Um, the whole kind of Frodo moment that he has there, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. They mixed up Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings here. Yeah, well, that's, okay. that's Dave in a nutshell. Let's, let's play, the, let's play the, the clip and then talk about it. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring. In which case, you also were meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. Okay, so are you referring to the moment in this episode when he's talking to Palpatine? Or are you talking about the moment when he gives up the temptation of trying to save Kanan from the portal? Because I'm going to play a little clip here from, uh, from when he decides to choose not to save Kanan because it could mean that they all die and everything kind of never happened. So, uh, Well, what reminded me of it was what Dave Filoni was saying in the Rebels Recon just a few minutes ago. Oh, what did he say again? He was referring to how Ezra, uh, he, he does, yeah, he doesn't want the, the burden to have to uh, give up. It was talking about Dave was referring to him talking about his his parents in right. that in that moment, and he he has to give up everything, right? And yeah, except the 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 really what the force or life has led him to in this moment. He knows what's left to do, what decision he has to make. Yes, and has to accept. Uh, the, the loss of his personal goals and dreams and mm-hmm. wishes. Yeah. Yeah, it, re- it reminded me a lot of, of this scene here in, in, a, in A World Between Worlds in episode 13. So we'll flash back to this and just take a quick listen. I'm sorry, Ezra, but you must see. Kanan found the moment when he was needed most, and he did what he had to do for everyone. That's the lesson. I didn't see it, but now... Sometimes I wish my life were different. I wish I could see my mom and dad. Why can't things be like they were? Yeah, so... Lots of parallels there. Lots, lots, yeah, absolutely. Um, Because the, the moment that you hear that crackling in the background, that's Palpatine trying to break in. And so he hears Ezra in that. And like Dave said that in, in the Rebels Recon, he, he hears the moment that of Ezra's deepest wish, right? That's right. And uses that against him when this moment comes around, right? Um, and uh, it makes you th- sympathize with this character so much, like, in you know, to be kind of given this choice to make. And even though he knows it's a lie, mm-hmm. it's almost like this, like, you know, it's like this twisted moment where he just, he, he could have to, what he's always desired, but he has to give it up for the yeah. greater good. Yeah, exactly. And, and he learned that from his master, from Canaan who died doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, 
you know, he has in the force kind of felt the moment where he's also going to be needed most. So he knows what's going to happen. He knows that he needs to do what he has to do to get Thrawn out of the galaxy. He needs to take Thrawn out of the picture for the rebels to win. That's what he knows. And, uh, I think we're going to see a follow-up of that perhaps in Ahsoka. But the moment that we see him for the first time, he asks Sabine, he's like, did it work? Mm-hmm. And Cause he knows something, right? He knew something that no one else knew. And uh, it was the moment that he also had to make a choice, you know, to, and it, ultimately, I mean, even if he's not dying and Dave Filoni said, you know, he's like, I believe that that character in Thrawn, no, both of them make it. So like yeah. there was never intention of killing off Ezra, but it's a huge sacrifice for him to like, you know, he's already a lonely guy and he's like lost his parents. He's lost his master. And now he's going out into the great beyond where he doesn't know. Completely anyone. alone. Yeah. Completely alone. He's taken like Thrawn and all these, all his enemies with him That's out, true. out of the picture. And he's doing that for his friends, you know, so that they can win the, the fight. Right. So like, it, it, it's great. It's great storytelling. Just like really, really, really great storytelling. Um, I will say I was surprised now that we know because hit the spoiler button in the latest Ahsoka episode you've been warned (laughs) episode 6 we found Ezra is alive yeah and in right before like they jump or whatever he makes the the decision the windows of the Star Destroyer are smashed so if they go into hyperspace Without a, a sealed vessel. I've got an answer for that. Okay. Because the first thing I thought it was like, wait, how do they live? Ray <laughs> shields. That, so that would keep a vacuum? Yeah. Because like at the same time... Ray shields keep out vacuum. Because we see other ships in Star Wars where the window gets smashed and everything gets sucked out into the... It's like something like a, a window... Like closes basically right or it, it's possible that maybe all those tentacles coming in just kind of sealed it right like just <laughs> blubber <bloop. laughs> yeah just blubbered it up uh all right so the ghost anyway. leads uh, the purgle into battle against the blockade mm-hmm. and thrawn's flagship the chimera which is being taken by the purgle and ezra says that he has to see this through to the end but he's likely communicating with the purgle in this moment to take him and Thrawn away, right? And he says, the force will be with you always. And such a great quote. Obviously, we all love it. Mm -hmm. Um, But something I pointed out to you, I think maybe off the record at one point, was the way that he gets taken into hyperspace when he's got his hand stretched out, like Mm -hmm. back and front kind of thing. Exact same as Kanan. You know, when Kanan's dying, or when oh, he's about yeah. to die and he's right. like holding the flames back with one yeah, hand. that's right. And he's like trying to push them, the ship, like with the other hand kind of thing. That was the same exact stance that we see Ezra in his final moment before his sacrifice is made. And he's doing the same thing. He's like, he's communicating with the Purgle mm-hmm. and he's, you know, holding, holding back enemies back, yeah. behind him. And yeah, he's like doing all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, like pushing Thrawn into the tentacles who doesn't get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also with his other hand, he's holding back stormtroopers that have just come through the door. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's... Uh, it, and it's he gets like, shot while doing that. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Again, surprised by someone with no armors. That's right. Just uh, taking it like a champ. Just taking it. Yeah. Um, 
Hera instantly begins to look for Ezra with star charts, but Chopper comes in with his recording, and he knows he had to leave, so he pre, you know, pre-recorded these hologram messages for everybody, mm-hmm. um, presented with a series of paths that this was the one that he needed to take. So, um, you know, I figured maybe uh, we can just take a listen uh, for this hologram. But before I do that... Can we do a back-to-back? I was wondering if we do a back-to-back with this and the one from Ahsoka. Well, that that's kind of what I was about to kind of bring up. Because the one that he made for Sabine is custom for Sabine. Oh, okay. Like, there's, there's one that was uniquely just for her. So maybe Chopper had a second message. Yeah, and then there was there was yeah exactly there was one that was kind of just for her, and then there was one that was for um, everybody else. So um, I'll play the one that was for everybody, and then I can also find the one for um, you know for Sabine as well. But here, let's take a listen. Rex, bring up every star chart along Ezra's last known trajectory. If you're watching this recording, then I owe you an explanation. There were several paths in front of me. While this wasn't the one I wanted to take, it's what I had to do. That's something Kanan taught me. I'm going to miss you all. Zeb, you can have the top bunk back. For now. Hera, I uh, left him a run in your cabin. I hope it's still your favorite. Sabine? Don't forget. Right. After I'm all, that's the melon. Pay the fruit. <laughs> what? <laughs> I couldn't have wished for a better family. I can't wait to come home. All right. So that's that one, and then uh, this is the one from the Ahsoka show for Sabine. If you're watching this recording, then I owe you an explanation. No, actually, wait. No, that's the wrong one. Here it is. Sometimes you have to make the decision no one else can. So that's what I did to defeat Prime. We've been through a lot. Grew up together in this rebellion. It's different. We're not really family, but you're like a sister to me. I know your fight isn't over, and now I will be there to help you. And I'm counting on you to see this through. May the force be with you. Yeah, so it's different than the one it, in Rebels. It feels a lot more Sabine specific. Yeah, sure. it is. Yeah, so I think he recorded a few mm-hmm. knowing that he was going to do what he did. And I feel like re-listening to this one from Ahsoka, it feels a lot like Dave really putting the last nail in the coffin of the, the shippers trying to set up Sabine and Ezra to be together. The You're oh. like a sister to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> And the people of Lothal rejoice. Uh, this moment really brushed off um, with uh, intentions of kind of return of, of the Jedi, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it uh, kind of felt familiar, you know, it, it, with that whole like mm. celebration with the Ewoks yeah. and like you go through the different planets and they're all like, yeah, you know. Yep, nope. Yeah. What's really funny and I feel like they must have added this just because... Someone in the creative team, when they're making the episode, like, wouldn't it be funny if we just showed the people of the city looking up as these whales are just smashing into Star Destroyers? Because they'd have no idea what's happening. 
Right. Because there's one shot. There's one shot that just shows these people in the streets, and they're all just looking up, just dumbfounded what's happening. Like, oh, what? what the heck is going on? Could you imagine? You're, oh, you're just some guy who, like, washes dishes at a, at a local bar. <laughs> and you look up, and there's these giant whales smashing into Star Destroyers above you. That'd be crazy, man. Like... <laughs> Can you imagine just be, yeah, just being like a bartender, just being like, oh, what, what? Yeah, like a <laughs> chimney sweep, like looking up at this. <laughs> oh man. Um. Okay, well, we got to give this guy some Pablo points of poodles, and uh, since it's the last one, you're missing one very important important thing we should talk about. What was that? Well, we we didn't talk about the whole flash forward at all yet. Yeah, we're gonna. We're, yeah, so um. Yeah. Okay. My, yeah. My, my last big note is from that. Yeah. And then yeah, I also yeah. missed one Palpatine thing. Okay. Palpatine first. Yeah. Okay. So when Palp back when uh, we're back on Thrawn ship, as we we're talking earlier, uh, Ezra has just destroyed the temple thing. Yeah. He's running out. And Palpatine's disguise is failing. And he's flashing back and forth between. Yeah. Pal at the Emperor. The disguise is and, morphing. Yeah, and basically like Chancellor Palpatine. Yeah. It was really interesting how they kind of reused that with Vader Anakin in the previous episode, episode, episode five. Yeah. Yeah, they did. So yeah. I know that was just Dave Filoni kind of like this is like yeah. one of the storytelling things. But I thought that was a really cool parallel seeing that the uh, this, this like flashing between good and evil of mm -hmm. someone. Yeah, for sure. Well, and in Palpatine's instance, just evil and Deception. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, the persona true. of him being a good guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, the last scene, of course, is is very um, important to the lead into Ahsoka. So, um, how about we just take a listen one last time? Let's do it. we all anticipated never came. The once invincible empire had begun to fracture. The small rebellion had become bold. And with a decisive victory at the Battle of Endor, the Emperor's reign of terror came to an end. After the war, Zeb took Callus along the secret hyperspace path to the planet Lyrison. It was then that Callus realized he hadn't destroyed the Lasat people, and that they were thriving on this new world. A world where he was welcome as one of them. Hera fought in the Battle of Endor, as did Commander Rex. By that time, there had been a new member added to the crew of the Ghost. Spectre 7, Jason Sindula. Born to fly, just like his mother. And well, we all know what his father was like. <laughs> A 
As for me, I used to think that Ezra was counting on me to protect Lothal. The planet and the people he cared for so much. But one day, I realized there was more to it. There was something else I was meant to do. Ezra's out there somewhere, and it's time to bring him home. I feel like that that was a that was a huge drop that maybe makes me wonder just how much of the ahsoka series was pre-planned from the ending of rebels like how much dave had well davis thought about it a long time yeah long time right um i also want to spoiler alert for ahsoka um we've talked about it a few times and i've brought it up before in the past um, whether or not that was a repeat scene or a different moment in, in time when Ahsoka shows up with the white cloak. Mm -hmm. And I think you and Dan are correct. I think I think this is just a, 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 a retcon. A retconned of yeah, the same moment. A, the same moment, but retconned. Yeah. So that's not She doesn't have her staff. No, I don't, like, I don't know where the staff is. Like, where's the staff? But uh, whatever. That's probably the weirdest part, to be honest. To me, because it was weird that she had staff to begin with. Yeah, because it was and, very Gandalfy. Yeah, and like, that's the thing, right? Because it, it was already she had come back from the grave because of the war between worlds. So technically, she was already Gandalf the White at that point. If yeah. they want it to be that same transition, right? But then they just totally ditched it, and then we saw we saw an episode five of Ahsoka where she goes to war between worlds and comes back again. She just changes between gray and white clothing. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I think I like. I like the story in Ahsoka for showing us why she's got the white cloak after she comes out of the world between worlds. Very kind of she's been reborn, mm -hmm. almost almost reborn as a Jedi, right? She's, well, it's also because she had kind of lost lost sight of her who she was. Yeah, and why she went about stuff. Like, if, uh, I feel like especially with her relationship with sabine at that point it felt like it was more of a duty but she didn't really have the passion for it anymore like the she she didn't do it because she wanted to do it or felt like she had almost like the the, the joy or whatever pushed her forward to try to help people and save the galaxy i think maybe she's been doing it for so long it's got more down to just this is what i have to do because this is what i do right yeah she no, lost I, her passion for it, she I guess lost, is what I'm trying she, to say. She lost her path as a Jedi because she walked away from that path, right? Mm -hmm. And then just kind of discovering herself again through this epiphany or this revelation, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, is kind of caused her, allowed her to come back. And, you know, it's the, it's the lesson from Anakin that allows her to do that. Mm -hmm. Similar to how Ezra does what he does because of the final lesson that Kanan taught him. That's right. So I like that how there's like a parallel there, uh, yeah. right? And uh, this last final moment of her and Sabine kind of going off to find Ezra, like, I think it's g maybe a good thing that they just kind of reworked it to better 
suit the story of the character as well as the surrounding events and mm-hmm. the, the time frame wise it makes more sense to see why she becomes Ahsoka the White you know rather than kind of her just showing up and being Ahsoka the White already right that makes sense so you know what else I wish they had retconned what's that Sabine's hairstyle Sabine's hair st- yeah I think the what we're seeing in the Ahsoka as well as in the flash forward yeah is her worst style of hair I think it's too short yeah, it's. Yeah. I get what they're trying to do. She's like a warrior or whatever, but she's had so many different hairstyles. Basically, every season she has something yeah, different. Yeah. And this one to me seems, for someone who's so artistic and like stylized, it's a little th- rough. It's just bland. Yeah. It's just it's just cropped. Yeah, yeah. I could go. I, you know, I think more of like a Bo-Katan kind of cut would have maybe bob? suited her yeah the bob yeah. would have worked a bit better think, maybe did she have a bob before i think she had a half bob yeah, one know. side was shaped. i do like the rebels one better though in this yeah. in this version yeah hmm. uh, and if you put the sequences side by side like there are similarities but they're not identical right um aside from ahsoka the white the whole kind of helmet going on thing she doesn't do that in the show either uh so there's that a, there's could a, be it maybe they didn't want her hair sticking at the bottom of the helmet yeah I think that's why that's why all the Mandalorians cut their hair. Like Except for that one kid in Mandalorian. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and his hair sticks out the yeah, bottom. We're all talking about that. Right. Um we gotta t- okay, this is really important. We gotta talk about Jason Zendula. Oh jeez. Because the model they made is just awful. The, I, I think yeah, yeah. We haven't talked about it until now. Well actually we talked about it in the Ahsoka after show, but yeah, and it was just so that our Rebels audience knows that model sucks. Like, Man, the, I feel like it, the, it was maybe an afterthought to just throw it in. Maybe they're just like rushed because of one scene. The, I, I, that's what I think. Like, I think that they were literally like, okay, we need like a kid that looks like um, Hera and Kanan. Let's give him green elf ears <laughs> yeah, and like, green hair. And, things like you would, if you're going to make someone who's half human, half Twi'lek, and you're not rushed. To make a model for that, let's say you're in like a modeling department for the animation studio. Yeah. That's a tall order to make something that's that stylized in a very short period of time. And that's going to set a precedent for all Star Wars going forward for anyone who's half to be like half human. <laughs> I know. Half, and like, they dropped the ball, in my opinion. I think so. I think so. I it think just felt lazy. That's something that needs to be retconned 100%. Um, we've seen retcons before, though. It's nothing... Out of the ordinary, I guess, for the recent canon. It's had a few retcons so far. Um, but the best way to look at it is probably to look at that epilogue as sort of a... This is It's like perhaps, there's a story told by someone. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what Sabine... Because Sabine was telling the story, like yeah. verbally, at, oh, as a narrative, right? So perhaps... It's just supposed to be representative and not necessarily needs to be taken as literal, direct, mm. literal kind of. This is exactly how it was went down. Yeah, I think there's been worse retcons before. But they, but the thing but. is, now they've made Jason Sindula look like that in Canon Canon for sure in Ahsoka. Yeah, well, they gave him green hair, but at least they kept the elf ears away. Uh, did they get rid of that? They got they got rid of the ears. Okay, but they I kept the green hair. Enough. At least the green hair is not so weird looking. Do you think he has, should have had some level of like? Uh, but the Lego figure is brown hair. <laughs> Lego doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> Lego doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
you think he should have had some sort of leku though? If he's half Twi'lek? I, I kept those idiots brown and they think it's green. No. <laughs> the guy who did it was colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> Can't blame him. I got them green and think, think it's brown. Uh, Would you want him to have like little leku? No. No, I, I think they should have probably you, kept him human. I think the green hair was like a good, maybe a good call. Just so it's a little different? Yeah, but maybe. It makes me also raise a question though. Because of that, why have we never seen anyone else in Star Wars at all who then would be half Twi'lek? That's a really good question. You're telling me there's all these Twi'lek girls and dancers that are basically owned as slaves? And, and, and none of them bear children? Yeah. There's not well, perhaps they're not owned necessarily by humans, I guess, all the time? So... Do you want to see half Twi'lek, half hut? Uh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to either. <laughs> I think that'd be bad. It makes you wonder, though, because they've opened the door now to species being able to breed together, basically. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think it's, no. Could be a lot of half humans out there being. I mean, I guess Twi'leks and humans are similar enough to. Mm-hmm. But. To, pro, to create, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't want to even, I don't want to think that half human, much half, about half Yoda. Yeah, no, half, I'm half, good. Half I'm human, good. half Maz Kanata. <laughs> yeah, Where does it into, end? Never, yeah, 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 exactly. Panda, uh, Panda Babar. It ends when we stop thinking about it. <laughs> That's true. Okay, one, la- one last <laughs> shot at uh, Jason Sindula. Yeah. So, I've always the character, like all the different characters, rebels. They all looked pretty nice quality, but Jason Sindula, I just got this weird kind of uh, what's it called now? When you have like, it just looks so unhuman. Shivers. No, there's a name for it. It's Uncanny Valley. Oh, I forget. I don't. Know and you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of freaking Woody from the first Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just look, it's like just like you look massive at massive forehead and like yeah yeah yeah, and it just has these like soulless eyes. <laughs> yeah, there's that's, oh man, that is creepy. He's <laughs> like looking at Woody. Yeah, like he kind of looks like Woody from the first Toy Story from like two thousand. <laughs> Andy. Oh, yeah, so yeah, it looks like Andy from Toy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh man, oh, it really man. took me out. All right, well, uh, that's all we got. Uh, let's give this final Pablo points and poodoos. What would you give this one? The well, last two episodes. All together as one episode, I honestly think... I, I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. And I think this is like peak Star Wars storytelling. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot that led up to this being such a good story. Yeah. Because there's like four seasons. That's what I mean. Of all that, all that, all the filler episodes, everything kind of culminating together. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of work to get here. Yeah. But I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And I, I, I would give it honestly. Uh, I think two point eight. Two point eight. I enjoyed oh, it a oof. lot. Almost three. Almost yeah. there. I don't think I'd ever give anything a three except for Empire Strikes Back because nothing can get to that point. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I would probably give this one 2.75 Pablo points. Okay. I think it was really high up there. Oh, yeah. You know, like it. it is 
definitely peak Star Wars storytelling from what we've seen in in the animation mm-hmm. in like business. Oh you know? yeah. Those stories have knocked it out of the park a few times, but these episodes are definitely up there. You know, up up with the greats. Um how did you like it compared to the final season of Clone Wars? I like the Clone Wars finale better. Okay. But, uh, you know, and I think, in, in my opinion, I think that's like a, probably a three Pablo point arc. Mm. But this one was good. You know, it was it was very good. And I think Ahsoka makes this better as well. Like, yeah, I, I think, think so too. Yeah. It has a lot of connective tissue there that make this story like a, a strong pillar that holds up so many other stories and more relevant too yeah. to the overall Star Wars story that's uh, right you know how it's all interwoven yeah exactly well that's it that's Rebels Talk that's our last part and uh, thank you to all our listeners that have stuck around and listened to what were we at 20 episodes 20 episodes 20 episodes of Rebels Talk yeah, yeah. 20 even yeah that's right so by the time this drops, we will have seen Ahsoka Part 6. We will have released the after show for that as well, uh, as we are releasing this probably Monday, Tuesday. So tonight or tomorrow or whatever it is, enjoy Ahsoka Part 7. Mm-hmm. And then we only got one more week and then it's done. So That's so crazy. Crazy. Then what are we going to talk about? <laughs> what are we going to talk about I, after? <laughs> I think it's probably time for another Ewok adventure. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, um, sir, it's a pleasure as always. We'll catch you in the next one. We'll see you out there. Keep flying. Thank you so much to all our listeners for tuning into the podcast and our final episode of Rebels Talk. It has been quite the journey to Ahsoka, and we hope that a lot of you have stuck with us so far so that you can finish Star Wars Rebels and have enjoyed that story just as much as us. As much as us. I mean, we've had such a good time talking about Star Wars Rebels. This has been our list for so long to go through the series and, uh, and talk about it like this. So, uh, you know, mission accomplished. And uh, two episodes of Ahsoka left. I mean, we only got two more after shows, that means. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to figure out what we're doing next. So, you know, consider our gears turning because we have, as usual, plenty more to do on Star Wars Escape Pod. Plenty more Star Wars to talk about. Uh, if you want to reach us here at the show to send in your feedback or a voicemail or a voice memo, you can reach us at our email, swscapepodcast at gmail.com. We would actually love to hear from you guys before the end of Ahsoka, just to like get some opinions in, you know, how did you like Star Wars Rebels, uh, the finale? You know, we love hearing from our listeners. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at swscapepodcast. And the links to our social platforms are in the description below. Uh, you can find our link tree down there as well. And uh, we appreciate a five-star rating on spotify apple podcast it helps others find the podcast helps with the algorithm helps with all that stuff um so that being said we look forward to having you tune into the podcast again in the near future may the force be with you and we'll see you next time on star wars escape Pod.